I'm here in Pavel's hairdressers in the centre of Newcastle with a former Newcastle United legend, Gavin Peacock. Gavin, great to see you back in Newcastle. 27 years ago, is it, since you signed for Newcastle? Yeah, 27 years ago since I signed. Uh, seems like yesterday. Uh, I can remember um, I was at Bournemouth uh, at the time and Harry Redknapp was manager at, at Bournemouth and... Uh, and we were at, on the training ground, and, and Harry was on his on his phone. Now, when Harry's on his phone, he's often placing a bet on the dogs or the horses. But this time, he got off the phone and he said, "I've just been speaking to Newcastle United. They've come in for you." Um, and I knew then, you know, I was going to go to such a big club as Newcastle, then a sleeping giant, as it were. And uh, went home. My wife and I had been married just a year. Just got our first little house in Bournemouth, and it's quite nice down there. And I said, uh, "Darling." I said, Newcastle United have come in. I said, and I think we're going. She just burst into tears. And she said, where's Newcastle? I said, it's north and it's cold. Um, and I remember flying up and um, being met at the airport. And, and the first thing I thought is, there's actually press people here to meet me. Like, I'm only, a, you know, maybe a 250 grand signing. I think Wayne Faraday was involved there. Um, but I'm thinking, wow, this is a bit bigger club than Bournemouth here. Um, and uh, I remember meeting with Jim Smith, we did the deal, and, uh, and I ended up signing for a, a club that I had uh, allegiances with because of my family being here in this area from, from being a kid. Yeah, I find that fascinating, but obviously your family, you know, a lot of them originated from the northeast. You used to come for your holidays to yeah. South, Shields, South Shields, but there was a book that you read which influenced you quite heavily in your early career. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the with the family being up here, with the family being Newcastle supporters, my granddad Tom, big Newcastle fan, my dad always had a heart for Newcastle, even though my dad played for Charlton uh, for 17 years. Um, so I had, you know, the Newcastle stories have been told to me, and of course the great Super Mac uh, was flying in those days, and my dad got me a Super Mac T-shirt, and you know, he, my my dad being a professional would, would coach me, um, but he said, read this book. He said, it's, it's uh, Super Mac's uh, biography, autobiography. Never afraid to miss. Well, that summed it up. You know, he's, he, my dad used to say, you know, watch this guy. Uh, he's brave. He's brave on the field. There's too many players that won't take the chance and have a shot. Um, and I read that inspirational uh, biography, and it just had that that impact on me. Just even in terms of goal scoring as a, as a midfielder and sometimes as a striker is not being afraid to take that chance not being having a kind of a, a bravery and an aggression um, in front of goal um, so you know the family influence here and then you know that 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 book um, that the, the building blocks are in place for the for the move that came a few years later when you came to Newcastle as well it was a transitional period but there was a few northeast lads coming through a few Geordie lads it was Lee yes. Clark Steve Howie yep. I think it was David Roach was part of it Alan Thompson um, you know Steve Watson it was quite a quite yep. a team coming through Man United had their class of 92 but yes. Newcastle had the same indeed yeah and I remember um, when Jim Smith signed me he said we've got some really good young players he said and th there'd been a car crash and uh, I think Alan Thompson and maybe Clarkie had been involved, but Tomo was in a neck brace. And he, and he said to me, this, this lad was possibly the best of the lot, but he, he's the one we're not sure whether it's going to really come through. And so Tomo, for probably the first six months that I was at Newcastle, was in this neck brace. He couldn't do anything. But I could see the likes of Clark was good. And Watto, Steve Watson, got in the first team. Uh, well, he was playing when I, uh, maybe within two games or so after I made my debut. He's 17 and he was just so strong and what an athlete. I mean, and he was doing the throwing, you know, where he would yeah. do the, the handspring. <laughs> I mean, 
number one, just to have the confidence to do that. And number two, it was it went miles. And he could just get up and down the pitch. And I think sometimes, I mean, Newcastle then, you know, weren't doing great. Jim was under a bit of pressure, languishing kind of mid-table. Obviously, the expectancy to get back in the playoffs and then get up again. Um, so sometimes when you get a youngster come through, a local lad, that gives the fans a bit of an injection as well. And, and Watto certainly did that for a bit. And, you know, then and I signed at around about that time. So, yeah, good lads that came through, all technically good players. Obviously, we saw Lee Clark come through in, in the days ahead. Steve Howie really surprised me because he was a striker. And then once he, Kevin put him back to centre-half, that was a genius, a stroke of genius, really, is what kind of cultivated him as a centre-half. I think I, I put it. He was an excellent player. Tomo came back, and and so just showing that the the youth system here was good. There's some, always been good boys that have come out of uh, the Newcastle area, Walls End area. Jim Smith moved on, and yeah. Ozzy Ardiles came in. I mean, you're only here a short period of time, but you had some amazing managers. Tell us a little bit about Ozzy. Ozzy was great. I mean, I I love Jim because Jim was gave me my debut when I was at QPR and then bought me for Newcastle when, when we'd both kind of gone different directions then bought me so I loved Jim Jim was a good football man he would shout and scream at everyone um, but I was scared of him when I was a youngster at QPR but when I came to Newcastle I wasn't scared of him anymore um, but he did alright for me personally and he was, a, he was a decent manager he just had come to its end here for him but then Ozzy came and Ozzy had been producing great football at, uh, at Swindon and uh, and I'd watched his teams play, and they were playing with the with the uh, the fullbacks getting forward and three at the back, and and he played the diamond system. And uh, Ozzy pulled me first day of, day of training, and he he'd kind of quite liked me, seen me uh, play a few times, and he said, I think you're like a, he his words, you're a you're a rough diamond. He said, um, he said, and I'm going to polish you, I'm going to play you at the head of the diamond. So of course that was that position I played just behind the front two, and he said, oh, I'm going to give you. Uh, you know, smooth off any rough edges. And under Ozzy, myself and others personally flourished because he gave you such confidence. He was great with the young players. Um, he gave you great technical advice. Um, but the problem was we weren't very good defensively. That was, that was the problem. Too many youngsters, not good enough defensively, not quite enough experience. You had Quinney in there. Uh, Kevin Brock, Liam O'Brien, um, not too many with experience to really hold the fort while everyone else was running forward. But we did play some good football, and I loved playing for, for Ozzy. I mean, Ozzy was Maradona's mentor, yeah? I mean, this is the, 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 the legend. And you, sp I mean, I obviously played, end up playing for Glenn Hoddle. Speak to Glenn Hoddle about Ozzy. He says, one of the best players he'd ever played with. Um, and as a manager, very well loved by the players. And I think the fans liked him too. Um, but again, it was just getting to a point where a club like Newcastle needed more. And we did get more. So John Hall came in with the Magpie Group, took the club over at a, at a vital time, really. Yeah. Uh, their first job was to, to replace Ozzy Ordealis as manager and they brought in Kevin Keegan, who'd done so well as a player. Yeah, I remember the day Ozzy was left, was sacked, was fired. Uh, I mean, Clarkie was in tears. You know, he loved him. Like, he treated Clarkie like a son. Uh, a few of the players were really upset. We left the training ground. I remember driving back because I lived in Durham City at the time, and I was driving over the over the Tyne Bridge, and uh, I heard that we've signed a new manager, and it's Kevin Keegan. And like even then, like the, now the goosebumps go go on the back of my neck. I mean, Kevin was a hero of mine. I had his poster on my bedroom wall, um, and because uh, he'd gone and 
he was one of football's first millionaires who could retire and just go live in Marbella like he did and the whole thing of leaving on the helicopter uh, in his last game was, was really dramatic um, but I'd admired him my father had, had played in his era and had always said you know this is a man who who made himself into a world-class player through hard work guts determination no little skill but um, he's someone you can look to and to, to, you can get the best out of yourself by following his example so I'd always loved Kevin and um, he just set the place alight. He's like, what is Kevin? Five foot six, maybe five foot seven. But when he's in a room, as you, you'll know, he just, his presence fills it. I remember he got the lads together at Benwell or in the gym there. And he said, uh, listen, lads, he said, we're going to survive this season. He said, and then watch us take off. He said, believe me. And uh, of course, first game at home was, was Bristol City. And we won 3-0. Um, and it was close to the end of that season, um, but you know we did survive, and then we took off the next season. That Leicester game away at Filbert Street. I mean, you know, if everyone who says they were there was there, it would have been a hundred thousand there. But I was there. Um, it was it was some some drama, wasn't it? Tell you what, there's some pressure and nerves in that dressing room before uh, before we went out, because um, you know they talk about pr uh, promotion pressure, relegation pressure. I think is worse because um, we had to do something that day and uh, and we've gone out and I remember like I broke through and, didn't I? and I, got the, I got the goal and that was such a relief just one on one with the goalkeeper and I just I'd been in good goal scoring form and it just felt like that everything just went silent around me in my mind and I just thought I'd just clip it over him as he comes out goes in bouncing the back of the net thought like we're in good shape here of course then they then they equalise, and, and, and then we don't know then. So we're shouting at the bench, is a draw enough? You know, and no one seemed to know. Kevin didn't know, Terry Mack didn't know, Fazakli didn't know, we didn't know what we're supposed to be doing here. Um, and then the long pump forward, it was Walsh who'd got the equaliser for them, was running. I'm on his, my, if you see the uh, clip of it, my socks around my ankles, because I'm getting cramped by this time, because I've run my legs off, and uh, I'm just chasing after him. And he's poked it past the, uh, his own goalkeeper in the back of the net. Now you know we've won the game. We're going to be safe. And I, as, as the ball's gone in, and my arms have gone in the, in the air, and I've seen their fans start coming on the pitch. <laughs> this time I've got no speed left at all, no energy. I wheeled off. Now our fans are coming on the pitch. And I thought, I've got to get off the pitch. And Kevin was trying to get everyone off. And it was just that mad moment of trying to be safe and then celebration and... Uh, yeah, just brilliant. Uh, my dad came down to the dressing room and he knew Kevin a bit, and it was just a uh, just a wonderful feeling of elation that we had survived. I didn't invade the pitch, Gavin, so it wasn't me. Um, the following season, though, was was a case of rebuilding. You know, the likes of Barry Venison, John Beresford, Rob Lee. A little bit later, came in. Paul Bracewell came in as well, another big signing. So, you know, Kevin really did rebuild. And, and, and he was ready for promotion, and you were part of that. Yeah, Kevin had, um, so my contract was coming up to, to the end of that season, um, the season that we survived, and he kept, he was a persuasive character, Kevin, and he, um, he was trying to get me to sign. I was saying, I think I'm going to wait, Kevin, because I didn't know what was going to happen, and I had clubs interested, Premier League clubs, West Ham was interested, well, Middlesbrough were interested in me. Not that I would have gone there, no, I just, <laughs> I spoke to Lenny Lawrence. Um, and he said, 
he, Kevin kept, kept pulling in the office and he's saying, you know, sign, it's going to be brilliant. We're going to we're going to get promotion. We're going to get promotion. And um, and he, and like I'd be in the sauna at St James's and his face would pop up in the window and he'd say, it's going to get hot around here. You want to sign for this club? And of course, in the end, I, I signed. And uh, what Kevin was was so good at is uh, is getting the, I think the balance of the team right and knowing what players played off of each other quite well. But what surprised a few people is that his signings were, for that promotion season, originally going into it, you got Venison and Beresford, defensive players, and, um, and Bracewell, you know, holding midfielder. Um, but, of course, what they gave us was, was ability, experience, and consistency. And both those fullbacks could play. So Kevin's idea was, get the ball out, get it to the fullbacks, and let's start playing from there. Paul Bracewell, with his experience, I mean, England player, yeah, um, he'll be a good holder there. Um, you can get Gavin up front with Dave Kelly, Clarkey moving around in midfield there. We'll have a great fluidity. I remember him showing me on the tactics board. He said, this is our team, and I see it all there. And then he began to move everyone around. And you just saw this movement in the team, and people just caught, they couldn't live with us in those, uh, in those early games. What do you win? 11 on the spin, I think. Yeah. Um, then, as all good managers do, do they know when to add um, Rob Lee. Well, every fan or Newcastle fan will tell you that he's one of the best signings that the club's ever made. And I was instrumental in that. I don't know if you know that. Because Rob Lee was playing for Charlton. Charlton was a team that my dad was coaching at. And I'd seen Rob as a young guy, he's a, bit old, a year older than me, a year or two older than me. Good player. My dad would talk about Rob Lee. Very good player. Excellent player. Could go all the way. And he was speaking to West Ham at the time. West Ham was his boyhood hero club. And so you're thinking, Billy Bonds is going to get him to sign there. And I knew that he was speaking. I said to Kevin, get Rob Lee. Kevin really didn't know much about Rob Lee. He, I think he must have watched a couple of videos or a couple of games because he knew he was decent. But I said, get this player now. And um, it was then that he went in for, for Rob, and of course he, you know, get Rob in the in the room with Kevin. Persuasive powers worked, and of course, you know, Kevin a hero of Rob's as, as well. But getting Rob was phenomenal for us, and then of course Andy Cole and Sellers and those guys came in just to really tip it off for us. One person we haven't mentioned was sitting in Pavel's hairdressers. Um, I know he was a good good friend of yours. Yeah. You roomed with Pavel. Tell us a few stories about Pavel. Well. Pavel and I joined the club within days of each other really. Um, we both were at the New Kent Hotel in Jesmond and uh, I remember him you know, arriving there, big, shy, uh, Czech guy and uh, eventually met his uh, wife Pavla um, who, who came over. My wife and I were in the New Kent. So just, um, just a gentleman, very shy, um, raw as a goalkeeper, um, a Jim Smith signing. You know, Jim had an eye for a player. Um, and I just remember the early days just, you know, being impressed by uh, Pavel's um, humility. And that's the one thing, you know, I, I call him, a, just a, he's a humble giant with a, with a, with a big heart. And, um, and what happened with, with Pavel is we, we roomed together for a while as well, you know, new boys. And so we roomed together and we'd have a chat about things, not just football, but about life and, and other things. And, uh, you know, I think he'd done some time in the army over there and he was telling me about life in the Czech Republic always willing to learn always willing to come back from a knockback um, 
And of course, he began to establish himself and get better and better as a goalkeeper. Great shot stopper, always had that. I mean, he was a great frame, great natural athleticism, but he just needed to grow in experience and decision making. And then, um, of course, in that uh, promotion season, he began to emerge as, as the number one. Um, and I just remember they, uh, that final game against uh, Leicester when we won 7-1 and, uh, and of course we go around the, the field for the lap of honour and he pulls off the, uh, the shirt and it's Pavel Izzajordi is there and, uh, and it was an emotional moment because we, we won promotion uh, and then to see the big man take his, his shirt off and, and that said it all and, and I think you know, that's how I'll always remember him uh, Pavel Izzajordi and I think that's how uh, the Newcastle fans will always remember him as Pavel the Geordie, who who gave everything for the club, who who came here and um, and and loved the club and won the hearts of the people, and they loved him. And so it's very fitting that that this place is is here in, in his honour and uh, and does good business and uh, is a tribute to him and and to the club. And I was very saddened. I mean, you were great keeping in touch with me at the time when he he uh, he had the incident and he was ill and he was. Uh, if I could have got here for the funeral, I would have, I would have got here. But being in Canada, it was just impossible for me to get here at that time. Um, but I was, I was watching from afar, and you know, very, very sad to to see my old teammate and friend uh, die so young. You know, he was so fit, and yet tragically, you know, the man who was so fit, his, his big heart gave out um, before its time, as it were. Um, but uh, he'll live on in the memories of uh, of all the Newcastle fans for sure. Finishing off, what does Governor Peacock do now? So uh, I left the country in 2008. I gave up a second dream career, working for the BBC Match of the Day. And uh, actually, I was with Shearer a little bit uh, on, on Match of the Day, old Match of the Day 2, Focus, all those shows, loving the media work. Um, and I've, I've been a Christian all of my football career. Uh, since I was 18, I've been a Christian. Never really sensed the call to ministry at all um, until I was at the BBC and you know I really began to feel a strong call to, to, to church ministry and to kind of take uh, leadership in the church to preach and, and teach in the church and so I decided to I started some studies at Cambridge um, while I was working for the BBC and then I said to my wife I'm going to give it up and we looked I said we could look at leaving the country for a while because of the anonymity that I would have in a place like Canada where we'd been going we knew the place you see that's why we chose Canada um, whereas my profile was really high possibly more than when I was playing because of the TV work um, and we went and three years I did my master's studies out there and um, and then we were looking to come back I had a, one or two offers of, to take churches over here and then got offered a position uh, at a church in Calgary uh, took it and now I'm here nine years later uh, my son Jake, he's 24, who was born here in Newcastle, and he's just married a Canadian girl last year, and our daughter Ava, who's 21, has just got engaged to a Canadian guy, so our roots are going down deeper, but um, I'll always consider myself uh, English, and, you know, my job has opened up to such an extent that I can get back, you know, quite a lot and travel quite a lot with my ministry, so it's always good to come home and to come to my, uh, to my second home, Newcastle. It's good to have you here. I think me and you are going to get a beard trim. Governor Peacock, been good to see you. Thanks, Steve.